Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits. A lot of people are working from home. And many employees are now working, um, well, as much as they can from home. I suppose some jobs you just can't. But, of course, I suppose with the technology we have nowadays, particularly in radio stations, a lot of people can. It's difficult for me to do it because I have to take callers on the air. But, for example, or other presenters who are playing music uh, and doing bits in between and competitions and stuff like that, they can do it from home. It's so much easier for them. Uh, but what do you do if you're working from home? Surely it would be very difficult to get into that mindset and you might get distractions. Well, to talk to you a bit about it is Barbara Edwards, who's from Be Coached. Uh, Barbara, good afternoon to you. Hi, Niall. How are you? Good. Well, I'd like to be coached in case the need be that I have to work from home because I would find it very difficult. I like to get up in the morning, throw my clothes on, you know, come into work. It's the routine. It's the interaction, the social interaction. I think if I was working from home, I'd sit there, you know, me, me gown on me and smoking as much as I could and, yeah, and, and actually, get nothing done. That's it. And that, that is the key thing to those who now find themselves working from home for the first time, because it's not something that they bought into when they went into their choice of career. You know, unlike somebody like myself, uh, self-employed working from home or those even who signed up for remote work, mm. you know, but the routine of that morning uh, when you get up is actually vital because mentally it keeps that mindset going. I am getting up for work, I'm going for my shower, I'm going to have my breakfast, I am going to, you know, uh, dig into whatever it is I need to do today, you know, whatever and career the problem need. is, Barbara, the kids are off school at the moment, so little Jock- Johnny's knocking on the door going, I need to go to the toilet, and, yeah. and I want to go out to play, can you bring me somewhere? And it's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? It is. It is extremely easy to get distracted. And in the article that I wrote last week, um, which is how we have now ended up chatting, that was actually written before that call for the schools okay. um, was made. And one of the things I've mentioned in the article is uh, a timer app. Okay. Now, when you have, depending on the age of your children, like this, I mean, you have to allow flexibility into that, particularly when you have small children about. I am way past that stage now. So am I, so am I, thankfully. My youngest is 18. So the only thing she's so knocking on the door today. for... The, yeah, the only thing she's knocking on the door for is money usually, but how and ever. Well, that's it, exactly. <laughs> but those timer apps, when you have kiddies, and, you know, I have worked with children in a, in a previous life, and small children, you you'll get them for about 20 minutes. Yeah. You'll they'll have about 20 minutes focus time doing something and that's it. On the timer app, when you set it, and they're based on the Pomodoro method, which is short bursts of um, very focused work, then you take a break for a few minutes and then you reset the timer again. So you'd be looking at starting with a burst of, say, 20 minutes on the timer, three or four minute break, um, whether that get up, walk around or whatnot. Now, if you have a child, you can kind of say, right, okay, when you hear the bell go, mum will be back to you. So they can be sitting on the floor, they'll hear the bell go, grand, this is my few minutes, but mum will I can rearrange inter- Now something. I can interrupt her, yeah. Now I can interrupt her. Mm-hmm. So you're actually, so there's a whole, now there's a whole other waft of things going on there is that your whole negotiation skill set is also developing and um, things that you didn't have to consider previously. Mm-hmm. You know, because you are now all day together. But you also have to be able to build flexibility into what you do. So if the child is small enough that they are going for a nap, you will find that for that couple of hours, maybe that they are asleep, you are going to be at your most productive. Do not be tempted 
to go and load the washing machine. And do not be tempted to go and just empty the dishwasher. Sure, I'll do this now that little Mary has gone to bed now and she's having her nap. No, you, you know. So you've got to get into a mindset that the boss is watching you. Uh, because well, because if it was me, you know, I'd be on the phone to me mate. I'd be outside the door having a smoke. You know, so you got you got to, <laughs> I suppose, get into a mindset that what you would be allowed to do in work, you should only be allowed to do at home, I imagine. Absolutely. And that, that is key. So, in other words... Well, it's different, obviously, for the role that you're in because social media plays a part in it. But if you were in, say, an accountant's office, are you going to be on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or whatever during the day? No. No. So therefore, you switch it off at home for those hours that you are working. So you keep those same hours. If you start from nine, if if your morning is, say, nine to one, you do nine to one. And if your lunch is one to half one, get up, leave your desk. Do a lap of your house or the car park by the apartment or whatever it is. Get out so that when you come back, that you have had that lunch break, you are then back into, okay, I have to sit down and I have to do. But in saying that, and actually it goes right back to the beginning, is where have you set up your desk? Or where well, have where you is the idea? The kitchen is probably a bad place because you're staring at the fridge. So that's precisely. probably a bad place to do it, yes. Yes, precisely. So the one of the things that I would say now, you know, I'm over 50. Um, and the space that I would have grown up in in the house is completely different to the amount of space that are in the houses and apartments now. But one key thing I would say is look at the space you have around you and try and set up out of your line of sight for when you switch off the computer at the end of the day. Right. So is that when you sit down, that if you are going to be watching a movie or you are going to be sitting having dinner, you are not out of the corner of your eye going to see... The space. That's tomorrow's... Yeah. Because you, tomorrow's want, you want to separate your workspace from your leisure space. And, and Absolutely. You also mentioned as well, particularly this would apply more so to ladies, although nowadays you never know, uh, that you should get up and put your makeup on as if you were going to work. Yeah, I mean, and like as I said for men, if you shave in the morning heading out before you head out the door, carry on. Yeah, have shave. a shave. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, I mean, it's makeup. And I know sometimes for myself, now obviously I'm a long time working from home and there are days I go, now this is not the day for makeup. But most people now, please God, all going well, they're going to be going back to their place of work. So they don't want to have to start saying, oh, how am I going to have to reestablish the habits that I had prior to all of this? Getting up two hours earlier to put on makeup. (laughs) Exactly. So you just get on, you know, just patter yourself up a wee bit, as I would say, and um, have your shave if you're a man, if that's what you did, you know, and look at yourself and say, yeah, do you know what? And dress, okay, if you were a suit and tie that you had to have every day, Dress smart, casual, dress that you feel I am physically ready for work because all these things have an impact. I mean, it's bad enough that maybe you're setting up in a small box room that hasn't been cleared out for the last six months anyway. So it has become kind of the room where all the boxes and the old books and all are stored. But at least if you are physically um, dressed and mentally prepared that way and how you look and how you feel, that has a huge impact then on how you think and how you approach your work. Okay, and in relation to just finally, um, I suppose in relation to the way people feel, 
we have one of our producers at the moment, myself and Ashling are here at the moment, one of my producers, but the other producer is at home because she has to self-isolate at the moment. That's right, I was uh, chatting to her earlier. Yeah, okay, so now what we did was this morning, uh, but she kind of insisted on it because she was getting lonely, uh, we went downstairs, as we always do for a smoke every now and again, to the car park, <laughs> right? And we, we put her on FaceTime and she went out for a smoke at the same time. Brilliant so, idea. Yeah. Brilliant idea. And I did that actually with a group of women I know who are all, uh, who like that they work from home as well. Yeah. And um, we had say, we all had our cups of coffee. And um, I'll actually be doing it during the week with some friends of mine. Um, but it'll be night time because we've planned um, a wee glass of wine. Okay. Well, look, it's been lovely talking to you. And if people want more advice, of course, they can go to your website, which is www.becoached. That's ie, Or indeed, they that's can email it. you at info at becoached.ie. Thank you Thank very you much, so much. I appreciate it. It's very interesting talking. Thank you, Conan. Thank the you, Barbara Edwards. Go. There you go. Uh, now, uh, speaking of keeping things normal, I suppose all that is comes down to your mental health. Um, because at this particular time, uh, not just the fear of the virus, but the fear of maybe losing your job, the fear of the bills, the fear, fear of being socially isolated, all that can have a massive, devastating effect on your mental health. Dr. Harry Barry is on the line to talk to me about mental health and he specialises in that. I've read many of his books in relation to it. Uh, good afternoon to you. Hi, yeah, hello, you? Niall. How are you doing? Good. Um, this is a very difficult time and one that you can really give advice to people on because not just are we concerned about the virus, I think that's just a small part of it. Um, I think most of us are not too concerned about catching it unless we're elderly or passing it on to our elderly parents. We're more concerned about the impact and the hysteria and losing our jobs. And there's lots of things going through our head at the moment. We, we almost want to empty our heads out of all these worries. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you, Niall. I, I think we have the perfect storm here because we, we've not only the, uh, you know, the genuine fear of people getting the condition itself uh, and more, more seriously of passing it on to those who are more vulnerable. Uh, but I think the, the shall we say, the, the part that's going to cause the greatest mayhem, in my opinion, is the fact that suddenly people have gone from doing normal jobs, working, doing every, having a completely normal kind of life, just suddenly dead stopped, you know, where everybody, lots of people are losing their jobs, lots of people have been laid off, lots of people are at home for the first time maybe in years, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yep. Spending long periods of time with, with, with children because, remember, the schools are closed and all that. So I think it's really important that, firstly, the first thing to do is that you have to normalise your anxiety. You know, we, we sometimes we... We, we, we forget that it's the situation that's, ab- that's abnormal. It's not us that's abnormal. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of a, quite normal and acceptable to be, to be anxious here. But the problem really starts when we let our anxiety get out of control. And we do that really when we start to catastrophize. See, I, I get anxiety. Yeah. I get, yeah. I, I, when I get anxiety, I usually get a pain in my arm. Um, yeah. And I always know when I feel that anxiety. And it's almost like, I call it sweetie mice, okay? Um, it's almost yeah. like there's so many thoughts going through your head that you want to just scoop them all out and have a blank mind just for a few minutes. You know that kind of feeling? Yeah. You're yeah. overwhelmed with all these You're overwhelmed. thoughts. Well, we, we call that general anxiety, where what's actually happening is we're getting this continuous run of catastrophic thoughts and foreboding about the future. And remember as well that nobody talks about anxiety being a physical condition, but it has a lot of physical, uh, shall we say, symptoms because our brain is very much connected to our stress system. So when we get very stressed or very anxious, we pump out loads of cortisol in particular and, 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 and lots of adrenaline. Uh, those, those would be two main hormones. And if we get a lot of cortisol, this is the one that can really get to us because we can get exhausted, we get uh, you know, tension headaches, 
we feel our muscles tense, we feel our stomach in knots, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then all the, all the catastrophic thoughts come to our mind where, oh God, what will happen if this happens and this happens and this happens? And of course, unfortunately, we're living in a perfect storm now because we have a social media feed which is pouring in from all over the world, the most negative, awful stuff, a lot of which is uh, carrying information which is not really true. And then secondly, we have almost from the time we get up in the morning to the time we go to bed at night, even on our mainstream channels and on our, on our uh, media channels, non-stop barrage of bad news. Do you, do you, you, think, know. It, do you think it's sensationalist? Um, I, I think there is, there, I wouldn't so much call it sensationalist as I, I think it's, it's overkill. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I think... Uh, do you think, can I ask you an honest question? In relation to the reaction of the world, and my mind changes every day on this. Some days I, I am saying, oh, they're right to do this. Some days I'm going, oh, that's a bit too much. Uh, and I just find myself constantly changing my mind and what way we should be dealing with this situation because it's one of those situations where normally when you have something to worry about, you know where the end date is. Do you yeah, understand what I'm saying? Yeah, so if yeah. you're going through, say, a divorce, for example, at least you have a date. So you yeah, know when, yeah. from what point, you'll be grand again, or hopefully things will be grand again. Or you're worried about, you know, losing your job. Well, at least you know I'm losing my job on that date. I can now start looking for another one. At the moment, we don't know. This is the problem. People see no end. I, you well, know, they, I, they, they're looking I, for the light at the end of the tunnel, I Yes, I, I think the first thing I would say to you is what, what we're experiencing for the first time in real life is what most people with, with anxiety really suffer from most, which is, 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 is a demand for total certainty. So the person who's anxious is looking for 100% certain that certain things will or won't happen. But this is the greatest exercise in uncertainty that we're ever going to experience. Because in real life, Niall, we all think foolishly that uh, we have total control over our normal everyday lives but life can come in like with a tick of a finger and turn our lives upside down so um, I I think the first thing all you can do here is you can't change the circumstances the only thing you can do is change how you think about it so a very intelligent way of dealing with this is to get into good routines in your daily life because the more you're involved in doing ordinary everyday simple routine things the less time there is for your mind to kind of go off into this ruminatory uh, pattern, mm-hmm. uh, catastrophic pattern. So get yourself into steady patterns. Um, if, you're, if you're stuck at home with children, for example, uh, it's, it's really important that you, you try and treat Monday to Friday as if it was a normal week. You know, you get up at the, the same time or within a reasonable period of that time. Uh, you try and break the day up into definite chunks Mm-hmm. Uh, you get your kids doing certain activities. You get everybody out of the house as, as much as is possible at the moment, because at the moment, even if it's out are, the ba- even if it's out the back garden, even if it's out the back garden, yeah. get a ball, a kick a ball, do anything. Do you know what I mean? Um, uh, if you possible, if you if you're lucky enough to have transport to get out, uh, go out to open areas, go out to parks, the beaches, uh, you know, open areas where there's no risks. Uh, and just get out into Mother okay. Nature because Mother Nature is a wonderful um, uh, cure. And, and I also think make sure you, you look after the basics. Make sure you're sleeping. You know, get up, go to bed at the same time. Get up at the same time. Try and eat well. Watch the alcohol stuff. You know, because it's very easy to start drinking. Yeah, it's, well, well, very it's very anxious. easy, I suppose, yeah. at the moment where yeah. people are working from home or they've yeah. lost their jobs. It's very easy to start going back to eating too much or yeah. eating at the wrong times. And, and just a couple of questions before we finish up in yeah. relation to say those people who 
maybe are missing their, their parents or their grandparents because they can't visit them, which is a very yeah. common story at the moment. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that anxiety or that feeling, I suppose, of loneliness sometimes can be very difficult for people. Yes, I mean, it, it's very important. I mean, uh, my own, ch- I, I have some grandchildren and my own daughter has, has, has made a decision with us that we will, that as long as this goes on, we, they will not visit us. And I think that's a very sensible thing to do uh, for most um, uh, mm-hmm. couples with small children. Um, but what I would say is, look, uh, we are blessed nowadays, uh, even though I hate technology and social media in many ways, it is very, very useful at times like this. So I think, like we try to do a lot of things, WhatsApping and, you know, FaceTime kind of, and, yeah, face yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's really important to do that. Also, I think it's very important that we are not banned from visiting our elderly. It's just that we, if we go to see them, it's better not to bring to children because they're more likely to be uh, germinators. But if you go to visit them yourself, as long as you obey the basic rules, go in small numbers. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Yeah. Make sure you, you, you uh, stay at a social distance at all times. Uh, you, you know, we're not banned from seeing them or anything like that. So I think it's important that that, that, that will be stayed. But I do think it's very important that, uh, you know, we try to make elderly people will get very lonely during this period of time. So it's very important that we, we keep in touch. I think it's also important for all mm. of us to be very community based at this moment. Well, like well I think most, we are. I think, and yeah. I think, I tell you what, when this ends, I think we've all learned something. Uh, yeah. I think we've learned there's another way of living. I've also think we've learned a lot about hygiene. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's another thing. But it, just finally, before you go, and maybe we should get back to that question in relation to because the one thing that does affect mental health is the hysteria more so than everything else. Yeah. Of the whole thing, right? Absolutely. And the uncertainty, yeah. as you pointed out. Yeah. And you talked about the news media and how they're dealing with this. Do you personally believe, and, I, and I'm not suggesting that you're some sort of denier or I'm some sort of denier, but I find my mind changing every single day in relation to you. Do you believe that, we're, that there's, I suppose, we are, I suppose, over-exaggerating the problem that we have? Um, no, I don't, actually. You know, I, I, I think this is the classic example of a step in time saves nine. Do you know what I mean? I think the government is right. Um, it, 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 to a certain extent, it might appear as a form of scaremongering, but I think it's really, really important that if, if we know what happened initially, where the Italians, are, you know, they didn't keep their social distances. The Italians would be very warm, loving kind of people. Uh, their elderly would be very much part of their communities. And, and the, well, their elderly was, tend to live yes. with their families yes. usually, yes. Yeah, exactly. And I think there was this huge spread of the virus uh, it, it, that overwhelmed their, their health service. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I actually genuinely believe that the government is right here it may be very draconian, these measures, but you can see in China, for example, that by taking these measures, they have shut it down. They didn't let it get going. Uh, and I, I think that it, this, is the, this, is a, the, this is kind of like a, a waiting game till we achieve one of two things. One is some collection of antiviral drugs, which would genuinely turn the tables. Do you know what I mean? That we could give them to people in real trouble that might just um, prevent them going down. Well, well, there's good, well, there's good news today yeah. on that front, yeah. by the way, yeah. just for people who didn't yeah. know that. Um, they In Japan, they have just discovered, um, I put a link up to it there on Twitter, if anybody was interested going on uh, last night, they put, they uh, have just discovered a new, um, uh, it's a flu drug that they'd used in the past, but they're now yeah. saying that it's showing promise in treating COVID-19. Yeah. Yes. So, and, and, and in India, they have, they have tried different types of using HIV drugs and other combinations. of So I actually think that we will eventually come up with some concoction, hopefully by the autumn, that might allow us before the winter comes, you know what I mean, to maybe reduce down the, the risks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the final thing will be a vaccine, you know, and the vaccine will solve it. 
because uh, it'll be given out worldwide and eventually we'll, we will develop, we will build up herd immunity the correct way through vaccination, do you know what Absolutely. I mean, rather than through people getting it. And But I do think, look, this is, I, I, I would appeal to people you know, this is very tough in us all. We're all finding this very tough. It's yeah, very strange. And I think it's very, very important abnormal. what you're saying, by the way. Yeah. We're all yeah. being told to look after ourselves physically yeah. with the hand washing and social distancing, yeah. but look after your mind as well, which exactly. is really important. Exactly. Really, really look after, your, look after your physical and mental health. Look after your relationship. Make sure you keep your relationship safe and secure. You know, and, and by the way, divorce rates in China went through the ceiling, I believe, yes, for, for yes. two months. And, and by the way, infidelity yes. went down because people couldn't get out. So. Yeah, very, very interesting. <laughs> but you know, one thing I, I, I maybe might finish with this. Do you know something? This is actually maybe a wake-up call for us all. We're living our lives, and I keep talking about this, at incredible speed, completely the wrong way. We're totally stressed. We're not putting. We're not putting the... Uh, focus on all the important things in life. Do you know what I mean? Our own personal, physical and mental health, our relationships and our children. We're obsessed with all kinds of nonsense and rubbish and social media and all of it. So maybe this might bring us back to what really matters. You know, the only thing that really matters is our own personal health, our relationships and our children and, and our wider family. And all the rest doesn't really matter. But maybe it might, if, it, if it does nothing else, bring us back to what really keep us mentally well. I think it would really be a good thing. By the way, just one question here for you that I, you would understand this better than I would. <laughs> Could you ask Dr. Barry, there's a uh, schizophrenic lad aged 22 on clozapine, I think it is. Yes. Is he very vulnerable uh, to the COVID-19? In other words, do you believe there's more, does that cause immunity problems? Um, I would, I, I, that's a difficult one because I wouldn't really be an expert in that area, but my, okay. my, my instinct would be that they might be slightly more vulnerable, but I certainly wouldn't consider them to be, unless they're, I mean, they, most people on Clausewell will be having regular um, blood, blood counts done, uh, unless their blood count was, was down. In, in that case, it might be an issue. But I would assume if their blood counts are normal, that they would fall into the normal the okay. normal risk. But they should, everybody should be taking the proper precautions anyway, irrespective of age. You know? All right, well, listen, thank you very much indeed, Dr. Harry Barry. I appreciate you going on the air today. All right, uh, loads and loads of people texting in, uh, different questions. I could have spent the whole day asking Harry questions there, by the way. A lot of your questions coming in. Uh, I suppose the most important thing, I suppose, is look after your mind as well as look after the physicality. We've been told every day a million times, wash your hands, social distancing, you know, clean down your surfaces. I have my spray here, see? And I spray it on this microphone every every now and again because I'm talking into it. And we all have our own little gadgets for the microphone. All those kind of things we're told to do because that's for the physical side of us, to stop us from getting the virus. And by the way, for most of us, it doesn't really matter too much whether we get it because we recover from it. Uh, But to stop us from getting it so we don't pass it on to those who are more vulnerable. That is the main concern. For everybody, because if we look at the deaths that we're having, and thankfully, very few, as I said, the mortality rate in Ireland, here's the real positive to take out of this. The mortality rate in Ireland currently is probably no more than the common flu. And that's the same goes, for example, in many countries in the world. But unfortunately, some countries seem to be affected more than others. And that's a lot to do with age groups. It's a lot to do with the way people live their lives and culture and etc. Tom Murray, how is things? Uh, not too bad. From AirTech Compressors. That's it. And this is where the community comes together at times like this. You're the director of Aerotech Compressors, of course, and you want to offer your assistance in any way possible to businesses, I suppose, who are struggling out there. Well, it's, it's, it's more so 
uh, we need to start thinking outside the box about this thing. Right. And this goes from every industry that's out there. Now, in all fairness, the pharmaceutical industries are working, you know, trying to come up with a vaccine for this. There's other pharmaceutical uh, factories in this in this fantastic country we have that are producing and manufacturing surgical health uh, equipment. So, By the way, did you know, I didn't know this till yesterday, yeah. Uh, the ventilating machines that we're looking for, that we need more of, obviously, as this virus takes hold. 80% of the world's ventilators are produced in Ireland. Well, there you are. Now, that's another thing where we, you know, our services come in. We, we have air compressors. So mm-hmm. we, we sell them, we rent them, we repair them. Now, we deal with the biggest multinationals all over the world. Okay. So basically, what we're saying is, if we just say hypothetically, hypothetically, if Ireland needed a massive amount of ventilators in the morning, yep. this is where people need to start thinking outside the box of a profession that you're in, whether it be uh, HVAC units, whether it be a mechanic, whether it be a carpenter, whatever. But air compressors are in 90% of the industry in Ireland. Yep. Right, down, right down to the lad that changes the wheel on your car. Yeah. Pharmaceutical, food and beverage, product contact, and medical. The most important thing, medical. So what, so, what, so what can you offer to assist people at the moment uh, who are kind of in difficulty in business or, or need a little bit of a dig out every now and again? What, what are you offering? Well, a dig out. We gave, we gave our banks a dig out in 2000. Yeah, we sure did, Tom. You know, <laughs> yeah. did. Maybe they'll give us a dig out now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, we have impoverished so many hundred thousands of people to facilitate so few at that time, mm-hmm. whether it be bondholders, whether it be bankers, you know, and then our kids and our grandkids are going to be paying 200,000 per head of something they never created, or even the working man, woman, working woman, frontline, backline services of this country. We've never created this. In 2009, the banks were, or 2008, the banks continuously ringing me, you need to take out a loan, you need yeah. to take out a loan. You're pre-approved your- for another loan that yeah. you don't want. Yeah, I know, I and know. We did, we did, we did. because we were mad. That's why we did. We were mad. We were I mad. don't just want the house. I don't just want the car. But I want to have an apartment in Bolivia. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. So listen, to go to, to the chase anyway, um, yeah. your company, of course, you're the director of Artec Compressors. You would like to, Air-tech, I suppose. Sorry, Niall. Oh, Artec. Artec, Artec. Yeah, okay, Artec. Okay, not Artec, Artec. Air tech compressors, okay. And basically what you want to do is check people's air quality and that's a, a service you're willing to provide for free. Well, the, the services we offer is air quality testing. Okay. Now, we don't know if this thing is airborne. We don't know nothing about it. Well, we, we know it's not airborne, but it is in droplets when people sneeze yeah, or cough. Yeah, or, yeah. droplets. Yeah. Now, what we just discussed there about airborne or droplets, so basically our air quality test boxes are there to test air quality that's been produced. No. From the ambient air, if this thing is airborne, it'll be sucked in and picked up on our our measuring boxes. If it's something that's already present, being a microorganism or, um, uh, you know, all boxes can detect microorganisms. All right. it's, it's, but it's for the compressed air industry. So, no, this is where we must step outside the box. 
Pardon the pun that you're using a box to step yeah. outside the box. Pardon the pun. <laughs> yeah. We need to step outside the box to assist all these other ancillaries that we depend on. Air compressors, breathing air dryers. We deal indoors for very, very critical air applications. Yeah. So now we're saying to ourselves, right, we have one on the skid here, breathable dryer, compressor, everything. So all... If frontline services need this, it's available to them. It's medical air. No. So that would be a medical grade, I suppose. Yes. Yes, medical. Yeah. Okay. So, so, I just, so, just to reiterate again, because I don't have a huge amount of time, Tom, but in saying that, if there's any frontline services and they need to check the air quality, which is vital, by the way, for people who are, you know, may have uh, comp- compromised immune systems, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, not just in relation to COVID, because they may be patients of COVID, but maybe they have compromised immune systems. This box will check the air quality, uh, maybe for your workers, if you if your workers are forced to be in a situation where they where they are working, they can't work from home, and you want to check the air quality in your business, you will get you will pop this box out for them to check the air quality to make sure it's okay. Yeah, we have a couple of them. They're free to the frontline service. Anyway, we can assist. Okay. Our, our air compressor there, we can. We have the best service engineers in this country, not just in our con- uh, company, but in this country, that if they start thinking outside the box, convert the compressor there with the breathable dryer, now we have 10 ventilators on top of the skid. And I, I get that. I, I don't go into all the technical part because I'm sure a lot of people may not understand it, but I get the, the gist and people would understand the fact that we all need quality air. Tom, it's been lovely talking to you. I'm sorry to rush you a little bit there, but uh, that is Tom Murray, who's the director of AirTech Compressors. And if you're in a frontline business and you need to have the air quality checked in your business uh, or your service for those who may be uh, immune compromised, for example, or those people who need a, maybe a better quality of air, well, actually, we all need a good quality of air. It'd be nice for us all. Tom is willing to offer his services for free. And in saying that, you know, it's always good to hear people who are willing to help out. Everybody, of course, was coming together as a community to try and help out in this particular crisis. Let me go to Sheila. Sheila, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Sheila? Hi, Niall. You've How been, are you? You've been laid off work? I was, yeah. Thursday when uh, Leo said it. Right, OK. And what, what, what did you do? I mean, you don't have to tell me where it was, but what did you do? No, I, I work for a catering company in the school. OK. Oh, right. OK. OK. So uh, yeah, because so we don't think of the knock-on effect of the schools closing, the catering companies and school secretaries and all those other people yeah, as well that are absolutely. involved. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, it's scary though, isn't it? It is. It is worrying, isn't it? But mm. I mean, look, at least you know that the schools will reopen again. Yeah, I know, I understand. Yeah, yeah. but in the meantime, I've me bills to pay. No, I know, and you know, a measly two hundred and three euro is not going to cut us. You know what I mean? It really no, isn't. And, like I'm dying to know how long it will take because I have this every year with the social welfare. I'm not knocking them now because they're, I know they're under pressure. But every year when I have to do the summer and the Easter, and it's a nightmare. Nice. I should be eight or nine weeks waiting on my social welfare to come through. Well, that, well, so, well, well, you will get back paid, but that's no good to you sitting around for eight weeks with no money in your pocket, is no, it? No, exactly, exactly. There's so, only so much in the in the pot, isn't there? Yeah, so are you getting the, the COVID payment at the moment or are you going for the, the job seeker payment? Which one do you, do you get? I went for the COVID because that's the one I was given, so I, I'll just go for that at the time being and see. 
Yeah, but oh. I mean, I feel so sorry for people. And don't get me wrong. I mean, the independent radio sector could be in exactly the same position in two months' time because... Oh, well, I hope it doesn't go that far. Well, no. well I mean, RTE have the comfort of having television license money, so they're all sitting over there in their arses thinking our job is safe. But yeah. in the independent sector, which makes up most of the radio stations in this country, I mean, they all fund themselves. Our advertising revenue will be down because people places are closed. Hotels and restaurants and bars who advertise with us. Oh, it's a huge knock-on effect, Absolutely. isn't it? So we're all... We we could all end up in a big trouble and the government needs to step in. That's what I said to Niall Collins earlier on. It's all well and good telling a pub to close or telling a yeah. school to close yeah. and people like you would have a job. But what are they going to do about it? And I did agree with you yesterday about the... And you had a, a rant about the government, they aren't doing um, enough. Sure they're not. Well, it's that old cliche, a lot done but a lot more to do and they should be doing it quicker. You know, if you're going to bring in legislation today, which they are to force the closure of business if they decide to do that and the police can enforce those powers, they need to turn around and say, well, look, we're taking this man or this woman's business away with a possibility it may never come back again. He's worked his whole life for it. How are we going to compensate him? We can't just do that. No, I know, I know. Yeah, I, I know. mean, giving him 203 quid a week, that's not good enough. No, it's not. No, it's absolutely I'm, not. No, I mean, I'm looking at uh, in the UK, Boris Johnson, 25,000 euro grants for businesses. And, you know, if they have to close for the two weeks or whatever to cover them, they're abolishing the rates for businesses. Uh, Donald Trump has given $1,000 per month to every citizen on top of their benefits. $250 a week. I mean, on top of your benefits. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and what he wants people to do is to spend it. He's telling people to go out and spend it because he wants to get money back into the economy again. Well, I'm sort of trying to be positive because I'm not in, I've no small children. You know, mine are grown up, yeah. but I'm looking at my, I suppose you are as well, with your sons and your daughter, and my daughter has a child, and she's yeah. on her own, and she has to work. She's in a, a coffee shop, and it's scary. Yeah. You know, I don't have that half of that I have to mind small children and look for people to mind them, and, you know. Yeah, I know, I know. It's difficult for everyone. Well, look, I wish you well, and I hope things uh, look up a little bit for you, Sheila, and hopefully the schools will be open before the summer again, although they may not, so I don't, we don't actually know at the moment. But listen, Sheila, thank you very much indeed. Let me go to Neve, and I want to go to Inga very quickly as well. I've only got about two and a half minutes. Neve, you're worried about money. Oh, yeah, well, aren't yeah, we all? I suppose everyone is, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I, I, do you know, now, I really feel for people, you know, probably who were in a better situation than I was starting off. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can imagine people who've owned their own companies and have been doing very well, and this is no fault of theirs, and they could have, you know, nice big cars that have loans on them. Yeah. They could, you know, and this isn't their fault. Nobody should criticise somebody for having a nice car that they've earned. But there's, there's, there's a level of begrudgery out there. Because I, there I, be. I put up a tweet last night about independent radio and I said that the government needs to step in and take the 15 million that they give every year for the Sound and Vision grant, which we won't need, to suspend that grant and give it to the radio stations in the independent sector, which is taken from the television licence, by the way, or share out some of the television licence because, for example, RT are not covering sporting events at the moment or outdoor events, uh, so they're saving money. So that money should be given out to the independent radio sector to help us survive this like every other radio station, because we're just as important as RTE. But they won't. more important, well, they're not in going, fairness. Well, I think I'm more important than Ray Darcy and Joe Duffy, but I mean, that's beside the point. Uh, but, but they're not going to do that, <laughs> and, and we're going to have to struggle too with, with our own investors, you know, who will have their own stresses and worries. And everyone is struggling through. And do you know what I think this is going to do as well, now? This is going to, you know, bring people down to earth a little bit. This time last year, or coming up to Christmas, all I was hearing on social media was, oh, bloody social welfare getting their bonuses for sitting, you know, doing nothing, doing nothing. Let's everyone, everyone's going to see now. 
Yeah. It's not easy. Living on 203 euro a week. Let's do the math. But, but here, yeah, but here's the thing. And I'm not around. having a go with people on social welfare, you know, because they, that's the lifestyle they have at the moment. And I know it's difficult for somebody on welfare, particularly somebody who's a carer living on, on a, on a low income. Ones. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely, right? Yeah. But yeah. what we have here are people who have worked hard, you know, mm-hmm. maybe got college degrees, um, you know, worked hard to build a business, or maybe who, people who worked hard to get, you know, promotions in their business, or people, and people not in the public sector, they're, they're safe as houses. They don't give a shite about this because it doesn't affect them at all. None of them are going to lose their jobs. So we got well, see, all the, the guards, the nurses, the doctors, the teachers, um, all the people in admin and the revenue and social welfare, all those offices. None of them are going to be affected by this. But yeah, and these are the people private that sector. have to had to take the, the, you know, took the houses on the higher rent because at the time they could just about afford it. Mm-hmm. Now what are they going to do? They can't afford 1,800 euro a month. Well, what's the government 205 do? euro. Let's make... I take back everything I said talk. nice about them yesterday, Neve, because they're not doing enough. Because They're telling us to talk to our landlords. Yeah. Now, you know... Well, that's all well and good and I heard Pascal say that yesterday on the news and he said, you know, uh, if you can't pay your, your landlord... Tell him he can't pay him, and then he can claim back the three months' holiday from his mortgage company. But what happens if the landlord doesn't have a mortgage? If he owns the property, why should the landlord accept that no. you're not going to pay your rent for three months? And just says no. And at the end of the day, m- my rent, you know, if we're lucky, look, he's still in work. But our rent, 205 euro a week, wouldn't even come close to it. And, yeah. and your landlord has bills to pay as well, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I'm sorry, Neve, I've run right out of time, and I'm really sorry, but I'm going to talk to you again tomorrow, mm-hmm. all right, I'm sure. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.